0: We had all these people just signing up on their own, coming out of nowhere. They went to go talk to those people. One conversation that sticks in my head, I was talking to the managing director at an investment bank in Toronto. He said the guy, maybe in his 50s or 60s, he took the time to talk to us, which is super kind. This is just the phone call. I was like, oh, so tell me, how are you using Docsend? He's like, oh, I love your product. It's a great product. I send the documents that I want to send externally to my secretary. The secretary puts them into Docsend. She then sends me links that then I send off to... The prospective client or the company that we're we're dealing with, and then she'll take screenshots and share those screenshots with me on the engagement of those documents. She's like, "I love it." It's like the craziest thing is we just aren't paying.
1: Welcome to Sit Down Startup Founder Podcast, where we interview top founders on all things growth, retention, expansion. It's our goal to help you learn from the best by hearing exactly what they did, so you can apply those similar approaches to your seed and Series A company. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, former founder and Silicon Valley VC. I currently manage VC and startup partnerships at Zendesk for Startups here in Silicon Valley. Zendesk for Startups offers six months free for all things Zendesk for all qualified high-growth companies. On this episode, I interviewed Russ, the co-founder and CEO of Doxin. Doxin was acquired by Dropbox back in March of 2021. On this episode, you're going to hear about the timeline of when they launched and how they really started to get that traction and hockey stick moment. Two big lessons for me, to raise money, they knew that investors were gonna say, why isn't Microsoft building this? Why isn't Google gonna build this? So he said, we wanna actually talk to Microsoft and talk to Google. And we're able to answer those questions preemptively. So keep that in mind when you're raising your next round. Also a theme that I consistently hear and I 100% support as a founder who gave away software for free for way too long, start charging as early as possible in your MVP. You don't wanna get bad signals from customers who aren't actually serious about the problem you're solving and nothing says that they're serious about the price that they're willing to pay. So don't be afraid to do it. It might make some people leave, but you want them to leave anyways, because they're giving you bad information on how to improve your product. It's a great episode. Finally, I wanna mention our top partner, Brex. I'm sure you've all heard of them but they help the fastest growing companies spin smarter and scale faster. They're really financial software and services designed for high growth companies. Check them out. Thank you so much for joining the show. Really excited to hear more about the early days at Doxin and some of the growth inflection points. But just to kind of start off for anyone who doesn't know, and I'm sure that there's maybe 1% of listeners who don't know, what does what Doxin do? And was it the initial product that you first started the company with? And is that the same thing it is doing now?
0: Yeah, great question. At its core, DocSend is just easy way to send t- documents to other people. <laughs> Some people focus a lot on the per-page analytics that we have, which is certainly a nice feature. A lot of people like have in their mind the brand promise around control of these documents that you're sending, whether it's in fundraising or in sales or investor relations or all sorts of things. Basically, the, the question we had at first was like, why are people still sending attachments? There's so many ways to not send attachments. <laughs> And then our thesis, well, attachments are bad for a lot of reasons. They clog up your inbox, you, they're, they're gone, you know, there are compatibility issues. You might not have a keynote, you know, on your computer. We said, okay, well, we need to add enough value to the sender to make it work their while, and then we need to make it easy enough that they're going to make that transition, and then we can change behavior and get people to not send attachments. And so that was kind of the kind of academic thought process at the very beginning of it. And we just followed that thread. And actually Doxon today is very similar to the seed deck that we had 2013 uh, in terms of what it ended up as. There, there's some embellishments on that end of being bigger, uh, but yeah, the, the core of it is, is still the same.
1: That is special. <laughs> as you said, could you tell us just how big you are now?
0: Our growth rate is accelerating. I don't think I can give specific numbers, but I think when Dropbox bought us last year, they bought us for 165 million. I think it kind of publicly stated that we were at about like 15 million in ARR, but we've just been growing like crazy since then. And it's awesome because a lot of it's word of mouth still. It's just a great product. It spreads itself. And then our website is designed so that you can come in, figure out who do you look like under the personas that are in there, see how the persona uses DocSend, our help center is set up answer all your questions, sign up for a free pro- trial. We only talk to 5% of our net new ARR every month. Everyone else kind of figures it out on their own. So we have like learning paths when you onboard by vertical, by, by use case for all the messaging. So we just try to make it really, really easy to figure out what is Docsend and how it can add value to you.
1: Oh, that's interesting. The onboarding by vertical, I might want to do- double tap into that because I, I know that that's going to make a huge difference when you're thinking what they're ultimately trying to do and not yeah. necessarily about Early adopters
0: stuff. are great. They will figure it out. They will use the products, and then, but it's like for every like one early adopter, there are like ten people who are like, no, 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 you gotta like, spell this out for me, in, like detail. Why on earth should I bother to like use this thing? And what is this gonna do for me in the need to I have this need that I have at this point in time? And so for those people, we try to really make it explicit. This is how you use it. It's not rocket science. Like this is the value it adds. And then we also try to get into people's heads at that point in time, like, hey, here are all the other things that you could use docsin for, because it is pretty flexible. We have a whole data room product. We have a whole e-signature product. There's a one-click NPA feature set that's really useful to people. So it's, it's very flexible. We try not to assume that people will just figure it out on their own and some do, but for everyone else, we try to make it pretty explicit.
1: Let's just go back to maybe year one, year two, you've just launched the product. What's one of the most impactful growth strategies or tactics that you use to really get to that next level?
0: I think like a lot of founders, I feel like if I did it again, I could do it in half the time. But as you said, you know, starting two SaaS companies yourself, you, you learn a lot on the journey. So when we started Docsend, I like to say that you can often prove a bad idea is a bad idea if given some amount of time. But if it's a good idea, you just kind of fail to prove it's a bad idea. So before we started Docsend, we spent three, four months just researching different ideas, trying to prove out, hey, why hasn't someone built this before? Is there an obvious reason that this shouldn't exist? And so I went and talked to like Google and Microsoft and Box, Dropbox. And you know, I knew that in fundraising, one of the pushbacks would be like, well, why wouldn't Google build this? <laughs> so we went and talked to Google. And the answer was just like, well, everyone says they might, but they're just not going to now. So you I know, think we've got a window of opportunity. We built out a prototype, the first users we had were the fundraising users. We didn't even have a marketing site. We would just give people a login to Docsend and they would just use it for fundraising. And we knew that wasn't a big market, but it was a really high urgency use case. And so we, like, we got great feedback. And the first revenue we ever got was a bottle of whiskey <laughs> from a friend of mine who used it for fundraising. And he was like, it was really helpful. Thanks. And then based on some of that usage, we're like, yeah, we should hire up the team of engineers because it's just me and my two co-founders are all... Engineer, so the three of us were just building away. So we raised from Uncork, and then we took a lot of those learnings. If you get too far down a rabbit hole on your product, it's like kind of hard to change it, right? But sometimes you just there's like just too much inertia. Your code base is there; it's hard to make changes. And so the first thing we were like, let's just learn and then scrap it. And we mostly did. And then we launched it at TechCrunch Disrupt in 2014 out in New York City to you know fanfare, and it was funny. We didn't even make it past the first round. Tech I remember one of the judges was like, so what you're saying is like, this is the 40 features that Google Drive should build. And I was like, kind of, I guess so. Sure, you can say that. And we launched it and then we can go from there. But that, I mean, that was the, the first part of it, like getting it out the door. And when we launched the Tinkers Disrupt, we didn't even have a method to pay us. It's just a free product. We just wanted to get out there in the world and just see what happened to it.
1: That's interesting, and it- what were the next couple months like after TechCrunch disrupt? Did it just blow up or was it kind of just stagnant?
0: No. I mean, it's one of those things that's like, hope isn't a strategy. I mean, we, we had we built the product, but there was no go-to-market plan behind it. We weren't even charging at that point in time. It didn't take off exponentially like some consumer-y thing, which is kind of what we were hoping for. But it, it did take off linearly. People kept signing up for it. And people did like the product, so the next decision point we had, we raised a Series A, then 2015 from August uh, Capital uh, for like eight million. This is forever ago in startup years that that was considered at the time a recent Series A, and we started charging just ten bucks a month just to see if people would do that. All this like every, you know, everyone's like, oh, this is terrible! I can't believe you're charging me for it. And in retrospect, we definitely should have put in payment at launch. I feel pretty strongly about that like you need to monetize if you're adding value. I sold a couple of like 50k deals, you know, to like sales teams. So we pivoted to go upmarket and sell into sales enablement. And using our series A money, we hired up a whole sales team. We started doing outbound sales as a, you know, <laughs> technical founder, <laughs> learned all about the intricacies of outbound sales, hiring a VP, having SDRs and AEs and the handoffs and stuff like that. And that worked okay, but I'm sure a lot of other founders in like Vertical SaaS specifically know that like, it can get really competitive. And if you're, your competitors start with enterprise and sell to enterprise and are good at selling to enterprise, that's tough. So our competitors in that vertical raised a ton of money. It got like really hand-to-hand combat in like deals that we were in. And it was just like not especially fun. The next big point for DocSend, because if, if that was the end of the story, then it, it wouldn't be what it is today. But we always had our self-serve motion going on. In parallel with this like outbound enterprise And what we did is I went back and interviewed a ton of the people who had the highest usage of Doxen. And in 2018, we came up with this theory that was like, there's definitely something here. And it doesn't need to be outbound enterprise sales. The brand promise we have is around control. And so we, we realized a few things. Okay, we're underpricing it, we're kind of misrepresenting what the value is because we just at the time said sales enablement on our website, and we still do sales enablement. A lot of our customers use us for that, and it's great but it was much more around like control and we were building for the end user. And so we came up with a theory around like, hey, I think this is a pretty much a horizontal technology we built. It's pretty, it's utility, it's useful in a lot of situations and we're going to have to market it vertically. And so we relaunched our website. Our whole company was just like, is this a pivot? I was like, it's not really a pivot because we changed plans, pricing and packaging. We did not change the product. (laughs) And we had a lot of people who would try to get into the enterprise plan and they're like, but they only need like three seats or something. And so we're like, you know what? Let's just get rid of like the idea that, like, hey, talk to sales. Like, we're just gonna stop trying to people to talk to sales because a lot of them are smaller deployments, like land and expand type of thing. So we put everything in the self-serve product and we increased pricing a lot. And what we found is that we just weren't charging enough actually. So the advanced plan that Dochson has is like our far biggest like source of growth, new revenue growth. And we called it the finance plan at first, but it turns out only about a third of people are using it And Financial capacity, but we ran it to the advanced plan. And it has all the nifty bells and whistles around an allow list or a disallow list or a one click NDA or dynamic watermarking. And these are features that exist in a lot of other products. Nothing we're doing is rocket science. It's really just the packaging of it and making it super easy to use to get in there and just send a link to a document. And if you want to get more complicated, you can build your whole data room on DocSend like you can have like multiple different data rooms you can link them together you can have permissions by link on subsections of it you can say this is gated this is downloadable this needs an NDA first it gets really complicated but if you get into the product first you can still just send and track a link super easily in 2018 that's kind of what we figured out and we called it project couch change <laughs> and we thought we could make another 50,000 in- and that new era of it. And we're tens of millions.
1: (laughs) That is interesting. I want to just go back one step when you talked about, you were kind of at that point, you had just invested in a huge sales team and you're realizing that this enterprise motion wasn't going to be what you thought it was going to be. So you're like, okay, let me take a step back. Where are we getting our highest usage? And let's go talk to those customers. Can you Mm -hmm. zoom into those conversations to help us understand if you're a founder in that similar situation? How did you determine the customers that were considered high usage? Like, what was the high that you were looking at, and then what were those conversations like? Were they over Zoom? Were they in person?
0: I'll say on like the enterprise sales thing, like we calculated our cost to sale to be like nineteen, a little over nineteen thousand dollars to get a new customer in, and that was fine. And if that's the only business we had, we could have made that work. But at the, at the same time, we had all these people just signing up on their own, coming out of nowhere. <laughs> we wanted to go talk to those people. One conversation that sticks in my head. I was talking to the managing director at an investment bank in Toronto. He said the guy, maybe in his 50s or 60s or something, uh, he took the time to talk to us, which is super kind. This is just the phone call. I was like, oh, so tell me, how are you using Docsend? He's like, oh, I love your product. It's a great product. I send the documents that I want to send externally to my secretary. The secretary puts them into Docsend. She then sends me links that then I send off to the prospective client or the company that we're we're dealing with. And then she'll take screenshots and share those screenshots with me on the engagement of those documents. She's like, I love it. He's like, the craziest thing is we just aren't paying you. I was like, well, your secretary is paying us $10 a month. And he's like, like I said, we aren't paying. That's one of the reasons we put a a seat floor, the advance plan. 250 bucks a month if you're paying, but you get three seats included. Because we found that it's not really best practice for him to be sharing a seat. And it's not really about the money. His secretary and him could collaborate back and forth if he had a seat too, but... That's just the way it was set up. And so we, that was like a real aha moment, like talking to him. We are providing a ton of value to this person and they are not using it correctly. Like I didn't like them to, but there's something there for sure.
1: Oh, 100%. And how many of those um, customers did you talk to at that? I mean, what is it like 10 or is it like a hundred?
0: Well, I mean, I, I think any you know, founder or CEO at a small company, I think we were only a few million ARR or something. So there's like a default dead versus default alive. And we were still burning money at that point. So burning money, you're kind of default dead, uh, unless really like reduced costs. I talked to well over 100 of our customers, uh, or just people paying us. They were super illuminating. We record them, I take notes on them and like, try to find like, what's the thread between them. Because uh, I'm like, there, there's something going on over here. And that's, the, that's always a dream as a founder. You build something that's valuable, And then you just kind of have to follow the thread. Why? And then the next question to ask is, what else do they want?
1: (laughs) I love that. As a founder, I think I over-interviewed. I got to like 600 interviews with one of the startups. And it was just, you get in this like analysis paralysis mindset. So Mm -hmm. 100 is super respectful. That takes a lot of time from what I know. But it sounds like there's a couple of ones that really highlighted. That's when you made the decision to, to move down market almost, but yet increase the pricing. And you said that was when the inflection point happened. How soon after like, that big product change did it start to happen?
0: The end of 2018, we, we got to accidentally profitable. It, the, the results were pretty quick, actually. from it, Because it, it's like, hey, how do you increase your revenue? Hey, just jack up pricing. <laughs> and in some instances, that can backfire, right? People are like, no, I'll just go to your competitor and then you just, you know. And so, but in our case, Conversion actually went up, which is nuts. We weren't charging enough for it, so people trusted it more if they paid more for it, which is kind of a nutty concept. We also had this accidental brilliant thing we did. So we we had this, you know, we had a personal plan, a team plan. It was ten dollars and then thirty dollars a month if you paid annually. And then there was an enterprise call us, and that's what we were pushing everyone towards. And so we were just like, let's just make all the enterprise features self serve. Let's kill the team plan. There's not really any differentiation there. We don't know what to do with the personal plan. We'll just leave it alone. The internet should have a send and track a PDF function that just seems reasonable. And so, the average price point they were able to sell the enterprise at was forty five dollars a user month in the sales use case. But we had discovered right this like this investment banker and this financially oriented use case, and it looked kind of wonky to have it be like ten and then forty five. Like that's just kind of a jump. And so, we put another plan there, uh, which we called the finance plan, that was one hundred fifty dollars uh, if you paid annually. Uh, for three seats, because that look, this looks kind of like well-weighted, 10, 45, 150. It looks nice. But there's literally nothing different in the finance plan. We just put it there to make pricing look balanced. And what was so crazy is that people started buying the finance plan. This is for me. I kind of know what it does. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to buy that plan. Then we had to go back and interview those people being like, what exactly did you think you were buying?" <laughs> And then we realized that only about a third of the people buying that plan were in finance. And so we made a decision to change the name to the advanced plan. Pretty much everything we've been adding has been to the advanced plan. There's some infrastructure stuff that applies to all the plans, but certainly like new features, the data room stuff, the one-click NDA stuff, the e-signature stuff, we make available in, in the uh, the uh, middle plan as well as the standard plan. Evolution, it felt in retrospect, like we had stumbled through a couple of good decisions. Um, but. The nice thing about like that type of growth when it's organic is that it, it just pays dividends over time. And it's, it's still going.
1: Oh, that's so cool, man. Project couch change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know we're, we're at the end. So I just want to say another awesome episode. Great. Right. Thanks, Adam. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you want to learn more about Zendesk for Startups and our free offer, please check out our website at zendesk.com slash startups.